Welcome to the New Books Network. Good morning, good evening, good night, NBN Entrepreneurship and Leadership. Personally, I'm fascinated by the story. Trust is an underrated weapon in the business landscape. I'm a really, really strong believer in learning by doing. What's the definition of success? He's trying to come up with an answer to the question. But go ahead, Richard. You could be right, but you're wrong. (laughs) Good morning, good evening, good night, entrepreneurship and leadership channel listeners on the New Books Network. We're together here with my co-host and friend, Kimon Fontakidis, and our special guest, Val Pilch, who is the CEO of Formeds. Um, you haven't been doing that for long, Val, but why don't you introduce yourself in the way you would if you had slightly longer, like in a minute, to explain how you got to be in this role of being CEO of Formeds? Sure. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, and Richard, as always, uh, good to seeing you. Uh, always enjoyed our conversations. Um, looking forward to learning something from this one. Um, so, uh, Quick, uh, quick, uh, quick uh, sort of 60 seconds on, you know, 30, 20, 20 years plus uh, career, I guess. Uh, you know, I was born in, uh, born and raised in Krakow uh, in the early 90s, moved to New York, uh, where I completed my high school, my graduate, my studies and kicked off my career. <laughs> Um, followed uh, mostly consulting and investment banking, um, uh, spent quite a few years with Morgan Stanley and Citigroup in New York, uh, followed, uh, which led me actually to six years in Asia. I lived in Singapore for close to seven years, uh, running our special situations for ASEAN, uh, Southeast Asian markets. And, uh, you know, working a lot with entrepreneurs and startup companies, um, ranging from, you know, noodle makers in Vietnam to uh, cold storage uh, in Indonesia, palm oil producers in Malaysia, uh, real estate companies in Singapore. I mean, a lot of funny, uh, a lot of interesting things. Um, At some point, I realized I wanted to be on the other side of a table. Um, And uh, in uh, late 2015, 2016, I moved back to the city where I was born, literally, uh, you know, a few, you know, 100 meters away from where my uh, grandfather lived (laughs) uh, in my childhood. So I made a full circle, uh, uh, 360 around the world uh, to, you know, returning to where it all began. Um, And uh, over the next six years, I uh, ran a lighting, commercial lighting company, the largest light, uh, lighting company, commercial lighting company in Poland uh, uh, with focus on uh, developing, growing, building a team. Uh, and, you know, we'll probably talk about that as well, uh, which culminated in 2019 uh, when uh, the company was sold to a Norwegian industrial group, uh, Glamox, uh, fifth largest lighting company in Europe. Um, And as a result, ES System has become uh, part of the uh, integral part of the largest, one of the largest five lighting companies uh, uh, in Europe and a major player uh, on a global scale. Uh, Following the sale, I still helped out with uh, integration for a couple of years. And uh, following the sale, I decided to combine all of my experiences uh, and uh, and uh, go on on the entrepreneurship uh, path uh, here uh, you know to some extent uh, thanks to our conversation uh, 
uh, Richard, to, to our conversation in 2020, I think, uh, in Krakow, uh, when I was sharing some of the ideas uh, with you, um, I think, and uh, we'll probably, you know, dive into that later as well. But uh, that led me into a entrepreneurship through acquisition paths um, with a focus on healthcare and uh, wellness industries. Uh, I was particularly interested in the supplements, nutrition uh, uh, sector, and I was very lucky um, to have uh, acquired a company uh, in partnership with MCA, uh, uh, which is a entrepreneurship program, ETA program, um, just uh, just in December, and uh, pretty excited about uh, you know pretty excited about the future of formats. And it's December. It's, awesome. it's, fe- it's, it's February 2023. <coughs> so, so literally, you bought the company two months ago. So it's really quite recent. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> which, is, very which, is, which is why you're in a hurry because you're busy, right? <laughs> you know how it is. Uh, <laughs> getting so you're you're based in you're based in Krakow. Well, now I'm based in Krakow. I, I still live. Uh, I'm still based in Krakow, but I travel between Poznan and Krakow. Company. Oh, okay. Based. So the the uh, the business is in the business is in Poznan, uh, but exactly. you live in Krakow. Okay. And right now you're in Poznan. Yes. So basically, I'm you know Monday through Friday, Monday through Thursday varies. Uh, I'm in Poznan, and then the weekends. Cool. Uh, yeah, uh, back in. Canada. So you sort of um, you and I have done like the opposite thing. Like I was born in New York, <laughs> <laughs> and I grew up in New Jersey, and I immigrated to uh, whatever. Basically, I immigrated to Poland uh, in my early twenties, and you uh, you started you started in were born in Krakow, actually Krakow as well, and uh, you then immigrated to New York, and then so tell how so first of all how old were you when you because uh, that you know it's it's a big deal to move to another country basically I mean uh, how, how old were you when 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 you did that. Seventeen. Yeah. Oh, right. Okay. So you were not. Uh, so you did it just for high school. You you just basically went for your last year of high school. Last year? last last year of high school. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And was that intentional? Like your was was that intentional? Like you just wanted to get into the U.S. system, or did your family? Did you actually? Did everybody move there? What, what was it? My uh, my parents actually were going back and forth uh, for you know ten years already between okay. the US and uh, and Poland and uh, so it was intentional. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so uh, you thought to yourself, I want to go. Tell us a little bit. I'm just kind of curious. Mm-hmm. Tell us, talk us through like that Your decision. Seventeen year old mindset. What was yeah, exactly. That's an interesting. That's interesting. With uh, with lots of friends and uh, you yeah, know, exactly. Uh, it, 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 you know, I still remember that like yesterday. I mean, it's amazing, yeah. right? The things that you remember like yesterday that were yeah. a long time ago. Um, and it's interesting uh, because I, yeah, I, I can, that parallel also is uh, very interesting. Uh, you know, we are moving, uh, we talked about that with uh, Richard a while back, you yeah. know, exactly, you know, well, many, you know, some people were thinking it's a great idea to go abroad right now. Uh, some other people at the same time were thinking, hey, this, uh, there is Poland, uh, the market is opening up, uh, <laughs> the world of opportunities is there. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, people, uh, you know, here comes 17-year-old man uh, thinking, you know, uh, you know, hey, the world of opportunities is there, right? Yeah, uh, so exactly. We, we, the thought we were holding in our head is, it was exactly the same, uh, <laughs> just with a different direction of, exactly. 
one hundred percent different conclusions. <laughs> one hundred, same, same thought, same idea, hundred percent different conclusion. No, but let's be honest. The people, the the people think I'm crazier than you. Everybody I talk to is like, why, and I maybe speak to Richard as well. But like, why are you going? Like, you know, in the early nineties or whatever. Why are you going? At least in my case, it was the early nineties. Why are you? What you're going to? You're doing what? You're gonna go live? You're gonna set up in Poland? What? What? <laughs> and like you from Poland, I'm sure they're like, ah, oh, the U.S. That's a good move. <laughs> I, I, let's 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 put it that way. I was going with the current. You were going against the current. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's there's one th one thing you because like often we um, we like digging into people's sort of like family environment <clears throat> and these the sort of context and whether their parents were expecting them to go into business or do something else. And can you just talk a little bit to your your the family business as well because mm -hmm. I think that's kind of that's quite relevant to the story. Unless it's a mm -hmm. secret, I think it's quite relevant to the story. Mm -hmm. Uh, no, I have to say, you know, there were no expectations of, you know, I think when I got interested in computers, uh, first year of high school, actually, like, end, you know, probably grade eight, uh, you know, uh, I was into computers. And, you know, I, I remember my mom saying, you know, ah, there goes, you know, there goes the medicine. You mean there goes the doctor? You, you meant there, there goes, goes the, the doctor. doctor. There goes there the doctor. doctor. We all want to have that doctor. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think you know I never I never heard any expectations of uh, you know uh, after that. <laughs> yeah, I, so, think you, I think you, also you in terms of role models and like um, the, like how far it was surprising or not for your parents that you you chose to, well you didn't go into business right and in a sense Wall Street is kind of business but you know did you did you know when you were a teenager that you might want to be a an entrepreneur one day or was it only later on when you were exposed to that through your job in the the investment banks that you you reached that conclusion because in Poland the status of business let's say it's changed over the decades hasn't it sure sure it's very different today than it was back then you know it's extremely it's it's a lot more professional today than it was back then um different things right uh, I'm actually I'm still being I'm, I continue being amazed that you know level of professionalism that's growing in uh Poland uh, Every year, I mean, this year, mm -hmm. last year, right? It's a continuous, uh, you know, continue. I mean, in terms it's of crazy. Term, it's crazy. It's crazy, especially if you've been here for a long time. It's crazy. <clears throat> it's absolutely, you know, it's like, um, you know, 10 years ago, having conversations, kind of a Wall Street conversation around, uh, around the business models and investments, uh, you know, in Poland and New York, um, it was, you know, it was a different world. We're not that far away in Warsaw, you know. Our Warsaw. I think I agree. Are I agree. On the same level as you know London and New York. I'm, I've been very, very surprised. Uh, I, I, I agree. And amazed. Yeah. It's a generational thing as well. I mean, a lot of it mm -hmm. also just has to do with generations and how people grew up. I mean, people grew up just different. People grew up, you know, the people that we met back, you know, they grew up in a different whatever reality, and now the the younger people that have now grown up in a completely different mm. environment. I mean, there is no. You know, everybody's born after 89. You know, a lot of people are born after mm. or whatever, after any point where they would maybe even after 80 is enough. If you're born after 80, I mean, you're you, you really don't have a memory of of yeah, of the way things were before. Yeah, well, also to mm -hmm. sorry, also ahead. to. Yeah, I was going to answer your question, Richard, actually. So because uh, I haven't <laughs> so far, uh, uh, you know, I think when you go back to late 90s, right, beginning of 2000s, uh, you know, if you were in, you know, you were college in college in New York, 
not in California, in New York, right? Um, I went to uh, I went to Pace, and then I went down to uh, Duke for my MBA. Um, so in those days, I mean, living in New York, loving the New York City. I love New York City still today. It's still my, you know, it's I still call it a, you know, a hometown. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, I mean, what uh, if you were driven? creative, uh, wanted to make an impact and, you know, kind of achieve things. Wall Street was one path. Uh, advertising was another path. I mean, media, right? That was, uh, that. that's the life that, st- you know, we're all sort of uh, a result of uh, what we're surrounded with, right? Ideas and uh, what drives us and where creativity can take us. So it was a relatively, you know, I did well in school. Um, I was driven for sure. Um, so, uh, so I think, you know, going into media advertising on wall street was natural. I was pretty good with the numbers. <laughs> so that was, uh, and storytelling. So that was a natural path. Uh, I also found it really interesting and, you know, I, I think it was a in those days, See, it was a great choice. Uh, entrepreneurship was the last thing on my list. It was kind <laughs> of like, if you, you know, if you, if you, like at that, you know, in the mid nineties, like you, you, you know, I think my impression was like, uh, you're going to politics or become an entrepreneur if you don't know what to do with your life that's exactly that's that is so (laughs) funny but you that literally was the choice i was i can't even believe you said that because like i remember when i graduated from college that is the choice i was trying to decide if i wanted to join a political campaign i was going to join clinton's campaign it was 92 Mm. it was just as he was in the election was start uh, was just before he was elected uh or go to Europe and like do my entrepreneurship thing. But literally that's so funny because I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing. I mean, uh, I think that's just a funny that you said that anyway. So I wanted to ask, so you went straight. So 17, you finished high. So you just went boom, boom, boom. You went high school, college in New York, and then just straight to the MBA as well. I mean, you just did one no, after the other. Uh, or... I, uh, I kicked off. I started with KPMG in New York uh, for about four or five years, I think. Yeah. Okay. And then got my MBA and then, uh, and okay. followed that with uh, investment banking uh, at Morgan Stanley in New York. Okay. Yeah, because actually another, whatever, my mother lives in the Chapel Hill now. I go to North uh, Carolina all the time. So I know, I, I know where Duke, beautiful. I know, it's I know beautiful. Duke, <laughs> you liked it down there. I'm sure you liked it down there. Yeah, it's, it's still my top one school. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's a nice, it's a nice place. But I want to ask, I have to ask, because this is always something that fascinates me uh, uh, in retrospect. Now, now you are an entrepreneur, whatever you, now you have all this ex- life experience and business experience. How valuable was that MBA to you? And what was it valuable for? Maybe the okay, two yeah. questions. Do you want one answer or two answers? I want whatever. I just want the, I want the truth. I'm just curious. Like well, well, I'm always curious be because that's a pretty prestigious. No, seriously. I mean, for the people that don't know, I'm sure most people know like Duke MBA, that'll be a top, whatever. I don't know. I don't know the rankings, but it's a top. MBA for sure. And so like, and I'm always curious and, and also I'm sure it, it's not cheap. So uh, I'm, I'm curious on, on the value, like your perceived, what it did for you. For per- and I think it's a per- probably a personal mm-hmm. question. I think for some people and for mm-hmm. some things it's valuable and not. So I just sort of want to get your perspective because I think people think about MBAs and I don't know mm-hmm. to what extent it's important for entrepreneurs. It's important. I, I think it's quite important to get a good job. Anyway, I want you to answer the question, not me. So mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll give you two. I'll give you an answer that follow two answers which follow each yeah. other. I asked that question when I was getting an MBA of yeah. someone, right? It's like a, of a person that in New York, uh, you know, someone who has achieved success and yeah. smart and credible. Um, I said, is it valuable, right? Is it valuable to get an MBA? 
And the answer is, and I was a smart person. I said, like, well, I think it's not valuable and it's not useful, but every single successful person in those days, you ask, will have a top 10 MBA. <laughs> and they will all say so it was a waste of time, right? <laughs> so, so my answer is like, you know, it's like it would be a popular answer to say uh, it's a waste of time, but then you look to the right, you look to the left, everyone's got it, right? That's uh, funny. And to be honest, it is. It does. It, it, first of all, you know, you can't function investment banking or probably advertise. Maybe today it's different, but back then, it, there's a relevant uh, set of technical skill sets you need, and you get them. They, you know, you can learn on the job, or, um, or you know, you get it through MBA, basically through the top MBA. I'm not. I don't think every MBA is equal. Right. I, you know, MBA is not equal to MBA. But uh, I loved it down there. Great friends, great people. We're still, in, you know, many years after, we're still, in, still in touch. Uh, it's amazing to observe. This, it was uh, useful for like the Morgan Stanley type job. But as an, uh, would is it if if you want to be a if you want to be an entrepreneur, is it useful? Probably not as much. Uh, it is a shortcut. Like you know, you, you you have certain techniques that are in the back of your fingertips, and you know you'll probably get quicker to certain quest business questions but i think it's more important to be an entrepreneur than you know to have that mba i've always um, thought that have, it, to, yeah you know, just, i always thought that it would be valuable to um i always felt that it was the opposite like everybody got it so that they could get the high paid job but actually the people that needed it were the people that were the entrepreneurs that don't know anything how to do anything and just the basic business skills they might not have because they, they have an idea or they know how to get people or they have something but anyway, yeah, I don't know what what you think about that, but I, I think it's useful. I like having yeah. it. I mean, I like having having had it and used it for many years. Uh, you know, you go back to your marketing classes and market segmentation, product segmentation. Yeah. it's a it's an afterthought. You don't have to like it's there. You, you, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a toolkit that's available to you because you've gained that experience. It's a toolkit, right? It's not uh, nothing right. else. Yeah. Uh, and also, also, there's other things like it's almost like a kind of elongated checklist. That one mm -hmm. you can buy a book in a bookstore about like how to start and run a business, and there's one yeah. chapter there's one chapter on like organization and another chapter on leadership. And and it's only if you, because in an MBA context you get some multimillionaire doing a workshop who tells you, yeah, this is so important. I've been in big companies where they do not know how to run meetings properly. And you, you hear that alongside the content, but the fact that someone very credible has emphasized to you that this really matters, it's not just, it's not just a point. But I, I, but I, I, I think I'd like to jump onto the, the, um, the way you got involved in ES systems, because your decision to come back, you took this decision to come back. And, you know, there's some, did you know when you were coming back that you were coming back to, to build and grow it? And, and, and what, was the, what was the recruitment process by which you got hired into that company? Because I, I know, but I don't think our listeners do. <laughs> I think it's confidential. <laughs> uh, it's, um, so, uh, you know, I've known ES system. Uh, since the first day when it was founded, uh, it was you know family business. Uh, I remember when the founders were picking the name of a company, um, and uh, and you know I was always uh, very much aware of the company. Um, now the 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 story will go. So yes, when I've made a full okay, so 
the story goes. Confidential. <laughs> uh, the story confidential goes. So I've joined. I, I was actually, and this is where your, uh, you know, the, where relationships, leadership, right, the different things come together. Um, I was actually on uh, holidays in. We were sailing around Greenland um, on an adventure um, together with friends and uh, family members, the assistant founders and uh and uh uh, that also family member and uh, we just talked about uh, the world the business and uh, we, we've always been very much in touch I've, they've always inspired me a lot in terms of how they approach the world people and sort of life ethics i think uh, i have you know a short list of people that i've admired all my life um and uh, and you know somehow we talked about me getting involved in the system. Um, the the seed was planted, and it was uh, <laughs> it was growing. Uh, it was you know uh, found the fertile ground, uh, you know. And uh, I made a call uh, a few months later. Uh, you know, it's like I've been thinking about it. I've got some ideas, um, and I like. I mean, it's also I like the industry. It's not just you know the name, the system, right? Uh, when you think about uh, you know what really drives me what i what i'm passionate about is the products as well and uh, lighting is a fascinating product uh it has a lot to do with health and uh, well-being as well which i'm still you know something that i'm still passionate about uh, also my wife is you know is a doctor of pharmacy and uh, her family is medical family so we've always like wellness um health always interested us but at the same time, there's a lot of technology in it, right? And Internet of Things was coming into products. Uh, so I found the space really and design and architecture and sort of how you build relationships. I found that space really fascinating and thought it would be really, really exciting to get involved in. And I still find the industry um, or the product uh, fascinating. I mean, you know, it's uh, lighting is something that's, uh, that's wonderful. Uh, it's not... Uh, it's not tangible. <laughs> uh, it's abstract. At the same time, it's a physical product. Uh, so it combines lots of lots of really amazing sort of features. Uh, so um, so that led me. So it was a sort of combination of being an entrepreneur, but not for a sake of being an entrepreneur. Uh, it was a combination of the product and technology and design that uh, led me to ES System. And, you know, at that point in my life, I thought, uh, so it was, yes, so I moved on purpose. I have resigned. I quit my job in uh, Singapore and uh, moved to Poland with the purpose of uh, getting involved in the system, also being closer to family, being closer to, you know, where I was coming from. But in terms, in terms of the sort of the business, can you put a, I, 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 you have told me this, but to the extent you can share the scale it was at when you came back and the scale it was when you exited. And also, was the, the expectation that you were going to uh, restructure? And like, or maybe what was good, like, you know, coming into a medium-sized company as from the outside back from America, may, there may have been some interesting challenges associated with that. And, you know, what did you fix? What did you change? How did you want? Like, there's, there's, there's quite a story of the, 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 the your, your role there. So, sorry, you joined, you guys know, I, I think it's good that I don't know anything because then the viewers don't, the viewers and listeners don't know anything either. So, first of all, you came in as CEO, just did you come in as, were you? We were co-managing directors with. Okay, uh, co-managing directors. Yeah. 
and I'm still a little bit confused, to be honest with you. <clears throat> is it is it a family company or is it something you invested in? I, I I couldn't I can't really tell from the story. Was it somebody? Was it a was this a uh, was this a, a family company that you? It was uh, so it, it was a public company. Uh, oh, public on okay. Stock, on the stock market, but it was founded by uh, by family members as well, um, and uh, and friends. And at that point, they still had a controlling stake. Um, okay. And, uh, and you know, they, we we had a professional management team. Uh, the founders were not uh, part of the management board anymore. They trusted us. Uh, that that's also comes with. Uh, uh, okay. With years of knowing each other, um, right. and uh, in terms of numbers, I mean, I would have to check, uh, given that it was a public company, so I wouldn't want to misquote any numbers. Um, and uh, no, there was no intention of selling the company. I mean, the answer is, uh, I came to um, came to drive growth and uh, and you know and, uh, and and really be focused on the company and growing the company. And you, I, I mean, I, I, you did tell me, but like, it, it was it in the. I mean, people have no idea. Our listeners, they don't know Poland. Was it in, in, in terms? Of, was it in the millions, the billions? Were there thousands of employees, hundreds of employees? Just give give our listeners a few, a sure. few, a few, a few, a few pointers there, please. So the company, uh, so annual revenues at a time were around fifty million dollars. So let's call it in dollars or you know or euros. Uh, um, and about 450 employees, uh, uh, both uh, the company handle its own distribution, marketing, uh, project management, uh, it's related construction. So, um, you know, some new construction, some uh, maintenance work, uh, but it's all project based business. Uh, and we had our and uh, the company has its own manufacturing facilities um, as well, both uh, sort of the uh, if you want to think about traditional metal bending and uh, sparks and you know industrial production, uh, large factory, as well as modern electronics uh, uh, production, where we produced our LED uh, boards, uh, you know, um, and uh, certain drivers and electronics. But so, sort of combining all the way from a transistor to, uh, you know, you can think about it to uh, to metalworking. Um, to you know, being an advisor to architects and installers and uh, investors, and and a lot of listeners and a lot of entrepreneurs I know might think, okay, you've got a Wall Street guy, KPMG, and investment banks, private equity. What the hell can a guy like that bring to a Polish uh, a Polish company that's like fought its way up through the let's say the the tough the tough jungle of Polish entrepreneurship? And let, maybe I'm exaggerating, but I can imagine a lot of people would say something like that, and they might th mm. they might not say it, but they might think it. So can you just talk through a, a couple of the things that you know you brought in? Like, because you know it was a from my perspective, and I'm I'm not somebody who always says this. Clearly, it was a success what you did. But what did you bring to the company? And because listeners out there might not might not really get what what someone like mm -hmm. you could bring to a company like that. Mm. It's um, it's interesting. Um, so yeah, we we were we we had a success. We had a great team. Um, so we're still in friends and we're still in touch. Uh, so. Uh, Couple of things you bring from being an outsider, right? That that's let's put it let's put it that way, right? Being an outsider, you bring additional perspectives, let's say international perspectives, uh, on both from product and marketing perspective. Uh, by having that, you know, focus uh, and having seen 
this play out quite a few times before because we're in investment banking. Uh, I mean, you see how entrepreneurs work. You have you stay in touch with them for many years. You see different models play out in different ways. You see their successes and their mistakes. So you actually have a lot of learnings from, you know, you bring in a lot of learnings from that industry across, you know, not just financial, right? Uh, you see the business model, you see the business strategy, you see how they pursue marketing and what technologies they're going into. Um, so so you have multiple, and I think it's a great background for being an entrepreneur, actually, from that perspective. Um, now, you also bring in the, you know, being an outsider, I brought in um, relationships with uh, lighting designers, architects uh, from London, New York, Singapore, from all over the world. Um, we worked very closely with these uh, with these designers on developing new products. So we're, you know, our products are stylish, good design, high quality performance. Um, and, you know, so you kind of, it's a lot easier when you're an outsider to look to the outside than when you're insider. In a you know in the crowded Polish uh, entrepreneurial market, it's a little easier to do that. And the other thing, I've always been you know I you know coming from New York and uh, or Singapore, uh, you're you know you have to stay focused on employees. Employees are the most important thing in the company. More you know a factory is nice, uh, but if uh, you know if you don't have committed employees, enthusiastic team, um, you know, and I've always. Even in the 90s, that's how it was in New York, right? Or even like that's how uh, I've been shaped and conditioned that uh, you really have to stay close to 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 your team um, and uh, work together as a team rather than as an individual. Um, I think that was uh, that was very important for me, and that worked. That was extremely. It still continues till till today, till this morning. <laughs> it continues to be the base of my you know management style. So what, what did you change? Um, if you think of like one or two things that were different, like from the day you first set foot in ES Systems to the day you exited and there were the new investors, like what would be one or two things that, because like I think people listening, they might think, hmm, I've, 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 there might be people out there listening to this who might not have exactly the same career, but they're thinking, yeah, I'd like to go into business one day. I could get involved in this company. Mm -hmm. What sort of things did you change? Or, or and was, was it what you expected to change? Yeah. I think we stayed, we focused on segments. I mean, in terms of, of course, we've developed new products. We won, uh, you know, a high number of design awards that the company didn't win, you know, in the, in the history before. Um, the German design award, uh, you know, we won uh, Lux awards in London for design of our product, for functions, for performance. So we stayed very focused on the product. I mean, product is a must, right? It has to be a high quality product. If you don't have a high quality product, you know, all these other things matter, but not so much now, but we did focus on all these other things as well. We focused on what we, who do we sort of, if I was to simplify it, who, and really like being brutally honest about it, right? Don't waste your time on other things, stay focused and disciplined on who are you talking to? What do we have to say to them? And how do we want to say it to them? Um, you know, in the lighting industry and Every industry has that. I think it applies. I mean, we can pick and choose on industries right now and we're going to, you know, we'll go like this, right? In the lighting industry, you really have to stay focused on, you know, the influencers who are the architects, the lighting designers, uh, the investors, right? Who who are working with ideas and you support them with that and don't waste your time on maybe something else. 
and stay focused on the installer in a certain way, but be very sort of channel focused. Uh, what we want to say to that channel, how do we want to say it, and uh, and then you know and then execute on it. I think that was really important for us because that broadened our uh, both broadened our horizons as well as you know really focused on uh, focused us on uh, on the right conversations. That um. And that that's came good with for any product. yeah that's that's but that's that's a great lesson for anybody in business um, and I strongly believe in that because I think what you just said was focus choose to focus on doing a couple of really important things like what is the key things you want to do and focus on getting that right and and you know what happens very often in I went through this myself in my entrepreneurial journey I think it's natural you go out you're doing all these different things you start doing too many different things, right? And there's a lot of energy being spent in a lot of different ways. And so you came in and you said, look, guys, let's get this energy focused on the, the key most important thing. I think that's that's super valuable. I, I wonder when I'm listening to you though, it, did, was there anything like, and I don't, maybe this is just because you you came from abroad or whatever, but I was just wondering, was there any change in where you were selling? Like, did you sell mostly in Poland? And then by the time you left, were you selling, did you have a significant export? Did you have some, was there export? Was export part of the deal? Was Is export anything that you brought to the thing? I would imagine that export would have been an area that you could have helped the company as well. Or is that not, like, I, I just don't know. I'm just guess, totally guessing. You didn't say anything about it, but. Sure, sure. I will. The export business doubled during that time. Exactly. But, uh, so we, uh, but also uh, domestic market has also, you know, okay, domestic right. business has also grown uh, yeah. significantly during that yeah. time. Yeah. Uh, maybe not, you know, percentage-wise, probably yeah. it was higher growth, but uh, but also in term in value terms, uh, you know, we've uh, mm-hmm. grown significantly in the domestic business as well. And just out of curiosity, was the U.S. a market that you guys ended up? going into i mean i literally don't know the business or was it <laughs> was yeah. it it's an it's a question that i was you know naturally was one of the initial thoughts yeah. we had we had lighting design i okay so the punchline is i decided you know wanting to go to the u.s being you yeah. know having feeling like home in the u.s feeling like yeah. home in krakow it was a natural yeah. destination i made a very yeah. conscious decision not to go into the u.s market and i'm probably i probably wouldn't advise it uh, mm-hmm. for most polish companies um and but it was based on it was based on a lot of analysis we've brought in and you know covered the cost of that uh, of uh, seven lighting designers from top firms in the u.s uh, to krakow we had a wonderful time we you know we got very technical on the products we looked inside the products uh, we received extremely encouraging support from lighting designers in terms of marketability of our products but then the logistics the regulations all these things that you don't think as an entrepreneur um in my head we're just not worth it it was yeah. just a lot easier and you know i've changed my mind on export <laughs> a lot of people find it shocking um mm-hmm. you know us was always the dream then uk mm-hmm. then germany um i you know i'm still going back and forth in that head and i i you know maybe you can challenge me on this uh you know, I think Slovakia, Czechia, Baltic countries are the you know the, the top choices for export business being a Polish company, mm-hmm. uh, maybe rather than Germany. Um, but uh, but I'm still you know I, I haven't executed on that. Um, I've been challenged on that. Uh, I'm not convinced that we've done with EA System wonderful projects in London. Um, you know the new. Um, 
the new uh, modern museum of art and you know we had a couple of a uh, couple of really sort of prestigious projects uh, prestigious projects in germany as well um, you know big shopping malls uh, amazing designs hard work um but there I, you know I, what i've changed my mind on there's so much competition out in the uk in germany in the us uh, maybe you have less of that competition. It's a different competition, different pricing points. Um, exactly. Uh, exactly. So basically, sort of the conclusion you've come to, you know, in the early 90s. <laughs> yeah, and I, well, no, no, I, I think, sorry, Richard, I, I think that the, I think that you're abs- like, first of all, it's how big do you want to be and how big of a market is and how, how accessible is a market? Like what you were saying makes total sense to me because, you know, whatever I'm, in, in, I was in a completely different business and I did focus on the US, but I could, uh, there wasn't all the, the technical, logistical, mm-hmm. of legal issues connected with it. But ultimately, I think everybody should go where the money is and where the, where the profitability, you know, what it's that combination of money versus uh, effort. <laughs> and, you know, you, you being in the EU, you have, you know, you have all the regulations and everything sorted, which is very nice. So you can basically go anywhere. But even I agree with what you're saying. My God, if you can make money, if you can, if you have the price point or whatever, you have the ability to sell competitively in less competitive markets, like let's say Eastern European markets, obviously that's the, I agree with you even on that. I mean, cause like my, my instinct is always go where there's more money to where the, where I can make a, a higher margin, where I can make a higher margin. But as you said, you, you value that next to, but it's harder to compete. I'll get less of that. That, that makes a lot of sense as well. So I think it's just all dependent on what you can, mm. what your product can support, basically. Yeah. <clears throat> I totally agree. And I've got one question, which is maybe more for our listeners, because I think I know the answer, but it might be quite surprising for some people to think that what can a Polish company do against, you know, you've got monster companies in lighting like Philips, and then there's no doubt loads of Swiss and German companies with very good engineers, much cheaper cost of capital, you know, the sort of, this sort of sense that, you know, to be a good competitive company in lighting coming from Poland. What was the the secret sauce? Because like every successful company, there's something about it that makes it successful. And what was it that you found in the ER systems that wasn't available elsewhere that enabled you to mm-hmm. establish and now be part of one of the global giants of the industry? And, you know, mm-hmm. every Polish company, it's always a puzzle for people coming from a high income country is thinking, well, how the hell did those guys do it? Because it's, it's not cheap labor, is it? There's more to it than that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, on that one, I've been lucky. Uh, and I knew coming in to the company that I'm lucky, right? Uh, it was a good platform. I mean, from a get-go, I understood that uh, I'm joining a good quality platform. That's uh, that, And I would say, what is a platform, right? Uh, I'm thinking of quality technical product, right? High performance uh from from European perspective, right? Not just a Polish perspective. Mm, uh, a lot of R&D uh, going into that. Uh, and that's been part of a DNA, right? By the founders. Uh, started from the very, very early beginnings. Um, the other uh, was passion for lighting. A lot of our, you know, salespeople and distribution were, you know, trained as, uh, you know, graduate students, uh, you know, in lighting, uh, lighting technology. Um, they were passionate about the product, the the lighting effects, uh, what light is. Um, so, uh, and that you know, that's that's me just being lucky joining a company where you have a team or individuals who are passionate about the product as well as it what it provides. So that 
nothing due to me, right? That's just me being lucky in that sense. Um, but we have connected really strongly as a team, right? With a mission of, uh, you know, creating great products, completing great projects, um, being able to communicate through our marketing, through our, you know, eco- you know our internet channels, building an amazing website uh, at that time with, you know, millions of parameters, technical, doc- technical documentation. I think you, you know something about that. Really building out a full technical documentation um, you know, in millions of parameter, parameters available to specifiers directly from our website. And that made the, you know, that's what do you want to say and who do you want to say? What do you want to say to someone, right? That That's part of that. Um, and I think we, we just had a, we just had a team that was ready to execute on that. We just needed to know what to execute on. Yeah, let, um, let's let, let's let's move on to the uh, your, your 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 next. Well, let's uh, talk about the end. I want to talk I, before we talk about the beginning. I want to move on as well. But how does it end? Like, how do, I like to. I want to know how the story ends. Like, so what happened? Like, how does the how does ES system? End? I mean, all of a sudden, how just how does it happen? Well, first of all, did they get delist? Did they? If somebody buys them, did they just? Are they now delisted? Is it just uh, owned by a like? Anyway, just maybe talk us through the the end of that of that of that part sure so the company today is part of the glamox group which is a norwegian company uh, you know mm-hmm. top you know top uh, leader in the lighting industry across europe uh, with you know great products uh, uh, great business discipline um and as a result the system still you know have in its own brand name today uh, is part of that group uh servicing both the domestic and international markets um and uh, I've, uh, you know, the company joined forces with, was sold to Glamox in 2000, end of 2019. Um, I stayed with the team and we had a great time. It was, I've enjoyed working with both the uh, Glamox team as well as, you know, integration process uh, through end of March last year. Uh, so okay. almost, uh, so I stayed on for a couple of years helping with okay. integration. Um, but at some point, uh, you know, I knew that, uh, you know, uh, I felt that, you know, this was, this was something I needed, you know, complete uh, the integration process, Mm -hmm. you know, take it to a certain level. Right. But at the same time, I had my personal goals and uh, uh, that I wanted to, that I wanted to pursue. And uh, so this was like a buyout, they 100% bought it and it was delisted from, is it? Okay. 100% 100 buyout delisted. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then, right. And then you were the golden handcuff or whatever. You were kept on for a while to, to make sure that the integration went smoothly. Um, And you, I'm sure you wanted that as well to make sure that everything went went smoothly. And then, and then you're ready for the next thing. So March, so then it's, I guess you were probably planning and thinking about it before, but uh, so we're talking now March, sorry, did I get right? March 20, sorry, is it March 2022, was it? Did you just say? March 2022, yeah, correct. Yeah, March 2022, so basically a year ago, pretty much. Pretty much. Um, you're free, right? And then what happens? Well, at that point, I mean, I worked on my, you know, I'm making sure that I leave and, you know, uh, I... You know, we, I, I knew what I was going to do next. Mm-hmm. Let's put it that way, right? So I worked through, uh, you know, through the point to hand over as much as I could, do it in a proper way. I mean, you know, I right. still care about the company. I still care about people who are there. Sure. As, you know, we're still friends. Uh, but at the same time, uh, well, I actually wanted to, I don't know if it's appropriate place, Richard, to do a little bit of advertising for you. But I, uh, at some point, 2020, I was thinking of a startup company. 
and I uh, and we were going back and forth and we had amazing conversations with Richard and I shared a startup idea, my business plan for for that business uh, with Richard and uh, and Richard actually. So you played an important role in uh, where that, I am. That's today. why I invited you on the show. <laughs> you get extra points if you say nice things about Richard on here. I didn't say anything nice. I said useful. <laughs> um, so, uh, and Richard was kind enough to read my business plan. Um, and, you know, we I think we have fascinating conversations about many things. Um, and uh, I still remember reading it. If I, I didn't reread it, so I didn't prepare for this answer. Uh, but it was something along the lines: uh, it's possible, but challenging. <laughs> uh, what you're thinking about, and then you said, you know, what I would do is I would look for a Polish company in that space, potentially acquire and uh, and develop along the business plan, you know, the business idea that you have. And it was very specific. I knew I wanted to be in, a, you know, in a sort of a functional wellness supplements dietary supplements with clean, with clean ingredients this was energy clean energy drinks i think was the plan that where I electrolytes said, it wasn't energy. energy it was yeah. electrolytes but powder mixed in sticks that you mix with water it wasn't a ready to drink beverage it was a electrolyte powder stick pack uh, that you mix with water uh, so it was actually powder supplement sup- basically mm. producing supplements in powder mm. form um which are not available. Uh, well, I'm not going to say anything. So it was kind of along those lines, but it's a supplement, right, with uh, the right level of potassium, uh, magnesium, right, and other electrolytes. Uh, and the most important thing was I was passionate about clean ingredients. Um, and so I've set a very, very narrow area, uh, very narrow uh, focus uh, in terms of my criteria, what I was interested in. And then, you know, so leading with that thought, uh, um, you know, I've asked myself a question, okay, that's great. So how, how do I buy a company <laughs> that I can develop, that I'm passionate about and that I can develop further? It doesn't need to be a large company. It can be a small, medium size, but uh, but fitting those criteria with passion for clean ingredients, dietary supplements, it was you know, actually very narrow uh, range of uh, criteria. So I've launched a search fund, I think the first or the second, uh, first search fund executed in Poland under Polish jurisdiction. A what second... does it mean, search fund? Because this is fascinating. To, I'm actually really interested in this. So, But what is it? So I, I don't know what a search fund is, actually. Okay, so I'll start from, okay. So a search <laughs> fund, so it's a concept that was created at Stanford University about 20 years ago um, of initially young entrepreneurs, uh, MBA students, uh, mid-careers, you know, uh, professionals uh, with MBA backgrounds, <laughs> um, pursuing a path of acquiring a company and uh, developing and growing it further. So acquisition through uh, entrepreneurship through acquisition or whatever. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Entrepreneurship through acquisition. So the vehicle, the legal entity vehicle that you create to pursue uh, entrepreneurship through acquisition can be a search fund. Interesting. Uh, okay. And uh, and you know we you have uh, a number of investors, co-investors in search fund. Uh, okay. Usually high net worth individuals, uh, family offices, uh, uh, contributing to a search fund as well as to the acquisition. Uh, okay. And just I, I just want to be sorry. I just want to make it simple for everybody. So like, they're signing on. So basically, the deal is they're saying, look. Basically, they're saying Val, Val saying. 
I'm going to find a company and I'm going to run this company. And uh, if you join this, you're going to be an investor in this thing. Is that, it's, it's basically people invest into you doing this, Correct. this project. Okay. The, the, this, this, this t- the entrepreneurship through acquisition and search funds are kind of parallels. The, uh, okay, uh, but I, this uh, is interesting. Uh, but a fund, a fund might say, well, they raise the money first. So you have to really trust the, yeah. found, the founders of the fund. And then they might be going to buy more than one company. So it's almost like they're going to have a process. They buy companies, they, they fix the management, they set it up, and then they, they look, so they're quite often doing more than one. Oh, okay. On, on yeah. Acquisition, it's like, if I find a company, I'll run it past you. And if you like it, so it's almost like you, the, the commitment is to fund a deal, but some, a search fund has got, like, it's more attractive for the MBA because they're going to draw a salary from the search fund while they're hunting. Whereas the ETA thing, quite often people right. are paying you, you're, you're kind of searching at your own. But risk. is, let's ask Val, is this search fund, was it for just one, is it, was it, can it be set up for just one, for one? Like for one company, or now are you? Do you have a mandate that you need to now join other companies? Like, how how does that work? Is no, it the way the way you know it, it goes back to that you know 2015 2016? I wanted to be an entrepreneur, yeah. so uh, I, I like I like running a business. I like operating a business. Yeah. The fact that I know how to acquire companies because I was an investment banker, um, you know that that's helpful and useful. Uh, but I what I'm really driven by is growing companies. I mean, I like the entrepreneurship, uh, you know. The, so the mandate for this search fund was for one company. So, so the way I've, I've yes. So the, the way this was mm-hmm. uh, set up was with a mandate to uh, to look to acquire one company and operate it. Okay. That's a good, um, that's a very interesting way of doing it. And so basically, again, it's good to have contacts. It's good to have the MBA. It's good to have the track record. So people will invest money. It will put money into the search fund. To, so a small, uh, you, you know, I need to, I need to mention a small commercial here. Uh, you know, uh, it's not a sponsored link. Uh, I did it together with, uh, with, uh, I partnered with Novastone Capital Advisors, which is, uh, I would say a leading platform. It's a startup, uh, you know, mm-hmm. three, four years ago. Yeah. But, but, you know, today it's the leading uh, ETA platform in Europe and becoming very fast the leading platform in the US as well. What does ETA uh, stand for? Entrepreneurship, uh, entrepreneurship through acquisition. Okay. okay. Excuse um, is helping everybody out here just yeah. to understand. The- <laughs> yeah. 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 And, well, obviously, uh, obviously we'll, we'll put links to these things in, in the yeah. uh, show notes episode description so people can follow up if they're interested. Mm-hmm. So I've partnered with Novastone, uh, which is a very useful um, uh, investor program um, on, uh, you know, on this journey. And uh, it's interesting, uh, you know, when I think about Poland specifically, um, you know, uh, entrepreneurship through acquisition via search funds is a very popular asset class in the U.S. already, growing fast in Europe, across Europe, uh, different countries at different speeds. You know, when there are two companies uh, that were acquired in Poland through that model, um, including including my, you know, my my current, uh, my current, my current uh, undertakings. Um, and I think there's a pretty good future for this model um, in the future. For uh, entrepreneurs, uh, it addresses what it's meant to is to address uh, 
couple of things. One is uh, success, lack of succession uh, for mid-sized companies. It's targeted at small to mid-sized companies. Uh, it's uh, targeting, uh, you know, like continuation of uh, management succession, ownership succession. Um, so it's a really interesting model given, um, you know, where Poland is, uh, where, you know, where a lot of companies were started in the 90s, um, you know. Yeah, it's a good timing. Have, may not have a natural uh, sort of a succession planning in place. Right. So it would be quite interesting in the future. Can I ask, I'm very interested in the business and we have to get to that as soon as possible, but just one last question do, about this process. Cause I do find it interesting. Is there a, how does it work with How much does that um, individual is, is there an amount that that individual is expected to invest of their own money in when you, when you, when you're setting up a fund like that, because, you know, I would, sorry, if I'm an investor, I would want you to have skin in the game. Um, how, how does that, or is that just, or is it not like that? Is it just, we just hire the guy and, and we take all the, we take all, we put all the money in. How, is there any, is there any parameters around that? How does that work? It varies. Um, I'm okay. a co-investor and I'm, you know, I'm a significant co-investor. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but in the traditional search fund model in the U.S., you know, as if you read a Stanford uh, guide yeah. to search funds, um, uh, in the, in the searchers don't 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 need to put up any okay. uh, any capital. Their own opportunity cost is considered relatively high. Their cap. Okay. Uh, typically, typically, you know, typical searchers in the U.S. come from top ten. MBA programs. Right. Okay. So, tech, so investors appreciate that the opportunity cost for those guys. And they're also assuming that somebody with the top ten MBA can can be a good entrepreneur. <laughs> Which yes. could come back to our can come back to our initial discussion. But anyway, uh, let tell us about the business, please, because we're we we got to be conscious about the time here. Tell us about this business. I'm really interested to hear. Uh, so, what business did you buy? Basically, and also the, maybe a little bit about what else you looked at. How easy was it to identify potential companies to buy? And what did Polish entrepreneurs? I, I think that the actual process of buying the company is very interesting as well. So, yeah, okay, how, sure. How many people did you talk to, and how did they react yes. when Val was on the phone saying, "Hey, do you want to sell? Do you want to sell me your business?" <laughs> It was, it was fascinating, actually. Uh, you know, I had a small team of a couple of interns helping with that as well. Um, I probably reached out to about a thousand companies uh, with, wow. selection, with a high quality, with, you know, selection criteria. There's so, okay. I've been lucky. Uh, I've acquired a company with a criteria, you know, almost exactly matching what I was looking for in a period of six months, which is the shortest uh, search fund journey I you know, one of the shortest search fund journeys in, across Europe. So, but it's not, it's okay. Some skill set, some hard work, but I, I will call, I will call it lucky. Right. Uh, I wouldn't say it's just, uh, just timing worked perfectly. Uh, and I knew what I was looking for, but I have been amazed with quality, with a high number of quality businesses in Poland that you come across from charcoal companies, uh, you know, selling, uh, charcoal to us and across europe uh you know and you have to, charcoal is a scientific process right creating it and it's like every business there's science and art to it and at such deep level that it's amazing and you're entrepreneurs so uh you you know you know what i'm what i'm what i'm referring to um i mean could be nails could be you know if, if you're making small screws you have to be the best at it right uh, and being the best at making screws is not uh, it's, it's science and art and everything um so 
So number, yeah. So I've had uh, so from just uh, just appreciation perspective, I've had uh, probably you know hundred conversations. Uh, like, wow. You know, with a positive wow. contact. Um, and some of those uh, some of those were fascinating conversations. Sorry, I have to draw attention to the fact that Val said he was lucky. But he had a hundred thousand companies and had a hundred conversations in uh, three to six months or whatever. I love, I, I I love how people say they're lucky and then they go on to say how incredibly hard they worked in a very short period of time. That's part of luck, right? You make your own luck. Ninety nine unlucky conversations and one lucky one. <laughs> yeah, and so I. I've in early in my search actually I was still searching but I found uh, formats uh, which is a clean label clean ingredients uh, uh, both manufacturer and distributor of uh, dietary supplements vitamins minerals uh, herbal extracts uh, collagen um, some uh, combinations of products as well multi products uh, for you know skin hair and uh, sort of uh, applications in the beauty sector as well um fascinating fmcg story 10 year old company uh, created uh, yeah roughly in 2012 just uh, just the 10th year anniversary so sort of more, more younger company um uh, mid-size uh, and uh, with the product and the team exciting team fast a fantastic team uh, actually very young team of uh, passionate sort of uh, science you know based uh, science focused uh, specialists from diet like our sales team is all the basically everyone's a dietitian on the, on the team a registered dietitian and you know, with a master's in uh, in nutrition uh, subjects, uh, biologists, chemists. So it's quite fascinating. Um, at the same time, uh, I like the industry from a business model perspective. So I'm sort of one, on one hand, fascinated by the health and science and uh, healthy lifestyles and looking at it sort of holistically, uh, you know, from your supplements, your diet, your exercise, your, you know, sauna, your cold showers and combining it all into uh, one sort of healthy approach to life uh, to to e-commerce potential uh, we, we today we work with about 1500 customers uh, you know uh, lots of them retail customers uh, drug stores pharmacies herbal stores and about probably 50 percent is uh, you know is internet internet uh, internet companies internet uh, stores uh, so e-commerce businesses um um, and you know it's uh, it's a fascinating also uh, fascinating industry to be uh, in from an e-commerce perspective. Don't want to say more. Uh, we're working mm. on lots of interesting things, but uh, but uh, but it, uh, this industry for sure uh, sort of leads itself to you know e-commerce business uh, very well with uh, with you know small you know with a low cost shipment etc. Low returns. Um, so it's also from a business model perspective, it's interesting. From a product perspective, fascinating, and you know, if you have a good team uh, in place, uh, even better. Is there a tech? I can't help but ask and feel: Is there a tech opp opportunity here, like to improve? To, I, I just don't know what the tech. Uh, well, anyway, I, it's you're very young. Sorry, you're, it's very new to you, but I'm sure you know what you want to do. Like you already have a sense of like what's the low hanging fruit, and I don't want to ask you to share anything that's confidential. So I, I don't, I'm trying to ask a question. Uh, but in a, anything that you can say, is there was there any like 
Well, I mean, I instantly wonder about the tech side of it because I, I feel like that has to be very robust, probably, um, or it, or it might not, or or it might be the potential for an area where you can, you know, improve. But I don't know. Is there anything, or maybe you just want to answer? Is there anything that you can say about what you want to improve or what you can improve, or or is that I, just? I I think with the team, we pretty much know what we want to do over the next yeah. three years, and that's the amazing part. We have the okay. strategy. We know what we want to execute in the next three months, six months, sort of twelve months, three years. Um, we got. I mean, you know, again lucky uh i've got an amazing team here uh and we've just connected you know we've probably done more work in two months than i expected to do in first wow. six months wow. uh, in terms of being able to sort of align strategically and you know so again lucky uh but um but what i uh, yes i mean if you think about it i don't want to say you know yeah i understand i, I understand out, i don't want to lay out our strategy here but yeah. uh, uh you know I, I i do you know if you if the early part of our conversation about uh, sort of uh, uh, online cha- communication channels uh, regarding you know yeah. passion for technology, that's what uh, I was thinking. <laughs> it, it, it's yes, obviously, it, it's if it, it, it's been there, it's there, <laughs> yes, and, still there. And I, I want to go both back and forward. Maybe go forward first. Um, down the line, do you see potential IPO acquiring more company like growth through acquisition? Like use your company you've got now as a platform <coughs> to like grow into other countries, and I know maybe you don't need to. You can just hire good people in Germany rather than buy a company in Germany. But like, how, how do you see this going? It's supposed to go exactly the way you want. In two or three years' time, might you be listed and you know buying companies with? paper and you know acquiring people or do you or don't you know don't you know yet i it's it's a question that's parked on my list um you know the i would say the the fundamental strategy is and i'm still debating it uh, you know acquisition through a roll-up all that um but to be honest if you execute correctly in this space organic growth is actually has huge potential. You you don't need to do all these other things, but yeah. it would be also a natural path for you know an acquisition through uh, entrepreneurship through acquisition to roll up in the industry. And it's a fragmented industry, mm-hmm. so it, it is it is a natural sort of strategy. Um, but I'm not uh, you know I think organic growth is uh, yeah. I guess you're good again. The core. I mean, first get the core business right, and that's probably what you're doing now. And then correct. Yeah. And I think you're, you're right. These are basically products that like people taste and smell, right? So you get tremendous brand loyalty mm-hmm. to the extent that, like, if someone likes yes. your product, if someone likes your product, yes, they like that. They, they like the smell of that shampoo. They mm-hmm. like the the feel of that cream on their skin. This is the mm-hmm. kind of thing that people can be ultra. If you do it right, mm-hmm. they can be incredibly loyal to you. It's not just mm-hmm. so even. And your, am I right in that? That like, if you get this right, people want the stuff you can make, and it's actually quite hard for them to switch and find exactly the same thing from someone else. Is that correct? You, you get hard and loyal customers if you okay. get your product right. That's exactly. uh, we see that already, um, and you know because people. If you, in general, even Polish consumers, so much more aware of what goes inside the supplements, mm. what the clean ingredients are, what the clean ingredients are not. There's so much coming, you know, so many discussions and blogs and mm. uh, people passionate about that. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, we, you know, this company was created from day one 
uh, by the founder uh, and the seller uh, who was passionate about the ingredients. Um, you know, he founded the company based on grants, uh, focused on innovation around clean ingredients and that's part of the dna of the company mm -hmm. what i find fascinating in this space though i don't know if what is the last time you've you you purchased some vitamins or minerals or supplements uh, i'm not talking about proteins or uh, sort of a workout pre-workout i'm just talking about you know dietary supplements in the form of vitamins minerals collagen things like that and just health purposes um it is not. It's amazing how uh, how hard it is to pick these products. Right, that's where I see also the opportunity. Um, you know, it's uh, you know if you enter if you go to a pharmacy store, uh, it's just shelves full of products. <laughs> if you go online, uh, it's just uh, lots of products. The same thing, uh, exactly. It's not a uh, delightful experience of choosing a product and why why do you, you know, which product you choose, why you chose it, how you're supposed to use it. Um, it's such a mature industry, but at the same time, it's not, uh, it's very it's not so well developed. It's very confusing. Sure. So, and and uh, just to understand, how far are you, do you, are you manufacturing for other people? So like white label as well as your own brand or both? Or just no. your own? We just produce our own brand. Uh, mm -hmm. We've had inquiries around that. Uh, you know, that's always a question for companies. Uh, for we, we're a brand and want to grow as a brand. Okay. Basically, okay. we don't pursue white label or private label. Okay, just flipping back to valuations. When you go knocking, I, I know quite a few entrepreneurs, as you can imagine, and sometimes people mm. are almost delusional about the value of their business. And you're bringing the MBA Wall Street perspective. And in your previous job, you had the huge advantage of actually seeing how it works in practice. But how many of the Polish entrepreneurs you spoke to were realistic about how much their business is worth? And maybe you could say a few things about the typical valuations that deals are done at, as opposed to what people dream of really <laughs> that's valuation is a sort of art and science right uh, as you know um it, it's well known in, in in you know in the market in poland i think across everywhere, across, everywhere. it's a set the, the price list is set the price list is set don't mess around we all know there's a price list that's it but people don't you need to tell them <laughs> The market mechanics are known, right? And uh, and and it's a it's a relatively well established uh, <laughs> you know industry. But but the price evaluation is the willing buyer, the willing seller, right? Where they yeah. are willing to agree on the the uh, and you know and there is a in the, in in that spectrum of valuations, uh, I would say yeah, probably eighty percent, ninety percent of entrepreneurs overvalue their businesses by. By 100%. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and so, I mean, if you can just talk in terms of EBIT, EBIT ratios, like multiples of EBIT, and EBIT for those who don't know is so earnings before interest and taxations, and sometimes people check mm -hmm. on amortization yeah. depending on the business sector and there's some goodwill. But in terms of mm -hmm. what you think deals are done at in Poland and multiples for like, and also don't forget we're talking about the context of smaller businesses where, mm -hmm. you know, you're not necessarily large enough to be acquired by a big multinational, I guess. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, if I quote numbers, someone's going to say, Oh, he's wrong. So I don't know if uh, maybe that's no, the way to I, get I, attention well, well, on I'm, it for your podcast. We want to educate people. And so, I mean, you know, this is not a legal contract. I'm just curious because no, you had, no, you had no, the experience and I think it'd be yeah. valuable for people to know what your experience was. You know, I mean, fair valuations, I think, are in the range of, you know, uh, 
you know, six to eight times, uh, you know, 10 times for high growth companies. Uh, uh, and then uh, the, I'm, I'm saying, I think it needs to be fair, right? Not looking for low valuations. That's not what I was, for example, looking for. Uh, looking for, you know, you, you want to have uh, reasonable uh, both the investor and the, and the seller need to agree on a reasonable yeah. number. Now, when we start looking at tech companies, service-oriented companies, I mean, evaluations in Poland will go up to 12, 14 times uh, EBITDA as well, where there is a disillusion, I would call it, is for traditional um, sort of industrial businesses, which have not been modernized and uh, maybe don't have that e-commerce component or you know efficiency, but uh, the owners think of them, you know, of those businesses as, you know, sort of your 14 times, 14x, 12x EBITDA sort of valuations like, uh, you know, like a high growth company. Um, and uh, and also where the EBITDA is, where the EBITDA margins are, that that's also, uh, you know, a pretty tough mm-hmm. spot sometimes for some businesses. But there are a lot of really profitable businesses across Poland. I was surprised how many, you know, 20, 30 percent plus uh, EBITDA margin businesses are are out there um, in traditional uh, traditional industries, mm. and, and and you know there are some professional acquirers like the buy and, the hold case the people who buy and hold who they actually like it if it's not been modernised because they say oh if it's got a fax machine that's fantastic that means that's a sign there must be loads of cost we can take out post acquisition and we you know put it, you know remove the old processes mm. replace them with more modern things mm. so anyway that and that that's interesting and so. Um, We've covered the future. We've covered the past. Is there anything we haven't asked? Or, Kimon, have you got any more questions? Is there anything we haven't asked that we should have asked that you think is important for this story? I would I would just want to know, like, I mean, like in, in closing, basically, what would you advise? Like, you've gone through this fantastic... I mean, you've got this wonderful story, basically. You've had you've had lots of different experience. And I'm just wondering if you were like if 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 young Val was listening to this or if somebody uh, people like young Val are listening to this, what 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 advice would you give them? Like, um, thanks to all this, like you've done all this, like what like, you know, if, if I, I'm interested in doing business, you know, I'm young, I'm interested in doing business. Uh, is there anything that you, if, what would you be your advice? I mean, you know, and I potentially am interested in being an entrepreneur. Um, what would be your advice? I've got a 14 year old son. <laughs> okay, good. So you have a young Val. You have a young have Val. A young Val. <laughs> I have a young Val and we're having those conversations. <laughs> um, so uh, it's a really interesting question, right? I mean, I would, I would say, and you know, we're in the early 2020s, not in the, yeah. you know, mid 1990s. <clears throat> I, uh, you know, I really like, I, I, you know, I openly advise being interested in science and creativity. You know, uh, I think being interested in, I was not interested in biology and chemistry when I, in the, in the nineties, uh, you know, I want, I want math and physics and, mm-hmm. and kind of conditioning, right? I really fight anything that's happening in in biology, molecular biology, chemistry, organic chemistry, molecules, and learn, you know, programming skills uh, as well at the same time. Um, I think if you want to be an entrepreneur, there's going to be so much interesting, so many interesting things are coming at us from a completely different 
perspective, right? We all know that, right? I mean, with chat GPTs and all that, we talk about chat GPT. We're not talking about what's happening in terms of artificial intelligence, right? From a science perspective, and uh, and I think you know we live, we still continue living in the world of entrepreneurs. I think that's uh, you know I think we're going to continue living in the world of entrepreneurs. Uh, you know, nineties was you know I don't know McKinsey's investment banks, and then you know eighties was the corporations, uh, yeah. Uh, Procter and Gamble's, etc. I think it's a fascinating time. To but I'm, am I hearing you say, get a skill, get learn get something, a, get a skill of something, learn one, yeah, th- learn something, basically. Learn, it's something very, you know, specialized. Yeah. Don't yeah, be, specialized. Exactly. Be, don't be a generalist. <laughs> don't don't. It, it, that's the yeah. If you want to create value and be an entrepreneur, be a be a specialist. Well, thank you so much for your time. I think, you know, as Cumin said, it's an unusual and interesting story taking many, many aspects. And we'll post links to your business, to the things we've talked about in the show notes. And um, from my point of view, I'd just like to say uh, thank you, Val. Thank you, Cumin, for co-hosting. Thank you to the tech team and the backup team at the NBN, our video editor and our sound editor. And um, thank you very much indeed. Thank you very much. Uh, I've enjoyed this conversation. And, you know, Richard, as always, uh, it's also nice to meet you, Kimmy. Um, as always, I've also, you know, learned something from that conversation. 